and share with you a reflection by St. John Chrysostom, who was a bishop in the first centuries, talking about what we're doing right now. Prayer and converse with God is a supreme good. It is a partnership and union with God. As the eyes of the body are enlightened when they see light, so our spirit, when it is intent on God, is illumined by his infinite light. I do not mean the prayer of outward observance, but prayer from the heart, not confined to fixed times or periods, but continuous throughout the day and night. Our spirit should be quick to reach out toward God, not only when it is engaged in meditation, at other times also when it is carrying out its duties, caring for the needy, performing works of charity, giving generously in the service of others. Our spirit should long for God and call him to mind so that these works may be seasoned with the salt of God's love and so make a palatable offering to the Lord of the universe. Throughout the whole of our lives, we may enjoy the benefit that comes from prayer if we devote a great deal of time to it. Prayer is the light of the Spirit, true knowledge of God, meditating between God and man, the Spirit, raised up to heaven by, by prayer, clings to God with the utmost tenderness. Like a child crying tearfully for its mother, it craves the milk that pro God provides. It seeks the satisfaction of its own desires and receives gifts outweighing the whole world of nature. Prayer stands before God as an honored ambassador. It gives joy to the spirit, peace to the heart. I speak of prayer, not words. It is the longing for God, love too deep for words, a gift not given by man, but by God's grace. The Apostle Paul says, We do not know how we are to pray, but the Spirit himself pleads for us with inexpressible longings. When the Lord gives this kind of prayer to someone, he gives him riches that cannot be taken away, heavenly food that satisfies the Spirit. One who tastes this food is set on fire with an eternal longing for the Lord. His spirit burns as in a fire of the utmost intensity. Practice prayer from the beginning. Paint your house with the colors of modesty and humility. Make it radiant with the light of justice. Decorate it with the finest gold leaf of good deeds. Adorn it with the walls and stones of faith and generosity. 
crown it with the pinnacle of prayer. In this way, you will make it a perfect dwelling place for the Lord. You will be able to receive him in a splendid palace, and through his grace you will already possess him, his image enthroned in the temple of your spirit. It's no wonder they called the saint, or nicknamed him, the golden tongue. When was the last time you read or heard something so profound? The building of your house, right? Practicing from prayer, paint your house with the colors of modesty and humility. Make it radiant with the light of justice. And so he goes on. So we could ask ourselves in this moment, how is my house of prayer? How do I take care of that house? We all have a house of prayer. All of you here are people who have dedicated much time to prayer. And the saint tells us it's not about the number of words you pray. It's not about how many rosaries you pray or how many times you do the Stations of the Cross or how long it takes you to do the Stations of the Cross. Maybe we could think, what if I do them really slow? I'll be holier. My uncle, my uncle who's passed away, Uncle Paul, this was his one of his one of his rosaries that I got on this trip when I went home. He lived in a different part of the country, but I went I I was I had to go to the city where he lived in order to come back to the United States. So I had dinner with his son and his wife. And Paul gave me that. That rosary was his. And uh, Uncle Paul, whom I didn't know that well because he lived in another part of the country, would pray ceaselessly the rosary. He was a lawyer, and as Paul was describing his father to me, he said he just he he knew, he knew he had to support his family, and so he worked as a lawyer, right to pay for the house and to pay for food and to keep the family going but he really was he this is his the son the words of his son he knew that the best thing he could do for the church was pray so he just had this habit of just praying decade after decade after decade the rosary and then he would travel 45 minutes to a, a sort of an out of this out of the way parish where a priest would celebrate the Latin Mass. And that, that was Paul, Uncle Paul's sanctuary. That was his pilgrimage that he made a few times during the week and on the weekend. So he just had this unusual um, desire, longing to be with the Lord and to be praying for the world that he thought, of course, well, like many of us, is falling apart. So his house of prayer was it was that. He was also a chain smoker. And so he died in his the only room he was allowed to smoke in. <laughs> and it had a crucifix on the wall. I mean, he must have spent hours smoking in this room, right? Because his, his, his wife, Auntie Sue, said, that, that's your room. That's where you can smoke, but nowhere else. 
So when Sue went in and found her husband lying dead, she could she could smell roses. And when they when they took the crucifix off the wall, the wall was just smudged with smoke. So that and it was where the crucifix was. It was this hadn't been touched by the smoke. For each of us, our prayer is different and the needs that we have are different. So the way my father, Paul's uh, older brother, my father Michael, he would have, he prayed too. He had a, a, a very deep and powerful prayer life. And uh, and a, a tremendous life of virtue. I think between the virtue and the prayer, as I look back on my father's life, they were two hand in hand. Like it wasn't just prayer, and it wasn't just virtue. It was it was the two things, right? You will have family members like that who have just prayed so much, you know. And for us, for you, for the generations afterwards. And here, this great saint who lived in a time so different to ours. I mean, think about it. If he, was, if he was a bishop in the first or second century, I mean, think of the differences of lifestyle. No cell phones, no internet, no, none of the appliances that we have, no cars, nothing, no... no significant travel around the world in a plane and so and probably a lot less distractions unlike us where we live in a world full of distractions we can be occupied and entertained all the time and busy and communicated to all the time my my family lives on the other side of the world right so they're communicating to me in the middle of my night so you wake up to this Barrage of messages if, well, of course, you have to be careful not to get sucked into all of it too, right? Everything in its right measure. Everything in moderation. So it's okay to watch movies, but to watch a movie every night, probably that's too much. You know, and so the list goes on. If you like to run, but you're always running and you're not taking care of your family, then that's probably not a good idea. To, to make it work the right way for you and for those around you. But prayer stands before God as an honored ambassador. It gives joy to the spirit, peace to the heart. More than anything else, your prayer life is what is going to enable you to get to the end of your life. So I'll finish with this image. The local, one of the local priests who was close to my family and then close to my father. His name is Father Mark. He has Holy Name Parish. He has the university um, chaplaincy. He has big hospital. And so a very busy um, man and a very pastoral man. So he would be in the hospital every day. So my father spent seven weeks in hospital at the end of his life. And so when Mark, Father Mark, would go and do his rounds, 
Um, Dad was pretty much out of his mind. You know, he wasn't he wasn't there uh, mentally, so he was very unaware of what was going on around him. And Mark, Father Mark, would have have the picks and the uh, hosts, consecrated hosts, to give to the different patients. He wouldn't give it to my father because my father wasn't able to receive our Lord at that stage. But he would kind of bend down. Dad would be sort of half there asleep. And Father Mark would say, Michael, Michael, I have brought Jesus. And he would just open up the lid. And so Jesus would be inside. And so Mark, Father Mark was saying to me, it was so moving to see my father just sort of, you know, not be able to receive Jesus, not, you don't know what's going on, but he would just make the sign of the cross like this. You know? So that was his, the, the act of faith and the virtue, hanging on but letting go, preparing for that great encounter with the Lord and so to us. And the way we arrive to that moment in our lives is going to be the way we live our lives now. So let's really ask God in this moment of quiet prayer for the grace, to, for the grace of a happy death. <laughs>